the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Monday, October 10th, 2022. Happy Columbus Day. Is today the, is this now, right now, the first time you heard that phrase? I don't know. <laughs> Many of us worry here about what John Stuart Mill worried about about a century and a half ago. He had a really good phrase. He said, the decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling. I worry about that now, too. It matters here to we, the patriotic, and equally but for different reasons, to those who would destroy this realm we call America. The left thinks about the decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling here, too. Which brings us to today, Columbus Day, or what used to be Columbus Day. A few years ago, the Washington, D.C. City Council, D.C., standing for District of Columbia, named after Christopher Columbus, decided to dump Columbus Day and voted that it would not be celebrated, but rather that Indigenous Peoples Day would be celebrated instead, the opposite of Columbus Day. Last year, Mr. Moderate Joe Biden issued a proclamation declaring today, as he did today, as Indigenous Peoples Day. Where did this start? Well, (laughs) of course, the United Nations. Quote, the celebrating of an Indigenous Peoples Day took root in 1977 at an international conference on discrimination sponsored by the United Nations, the USA Today tells us. Interesting fonds et origio, that, the United Nations, a place that doesn't understand discrimination very well and ends up doubling down on it more than upending or ending it. The U.N., an organ that boasts countries like China and Cuba and North Korea, sit on their Human Rights Council. A body that gives communist China a permanent seat and veto power over any revolution, any resolution there. That's the body that lectured the United States and the world that Christopher Columbus was the problem, the real colonialist. And because Nikita Khrushchev in the 1950s and 1960s made anti-colonialism, as he defined it, the chief task of the United Nations, how could the United Nations do anything other than try to posthumously bury Christopher Columbus yet again? It's a dangerous place, the United Nations. I recall, well, two major attempts to normalize and detoxify the poisonous Marxist-Leninist-Maoist reinterpretation of the world. The first of course, by kicking Taiwan out of the United Nations and putting communist China there instead. The second, debating, giving, and then giving communist China what was then called permanent normal trade relations in the 1990s, as if China were a normal country. Warnings at the time from a few of us were that if we normalized relations with China, a country that has no compunctions about its existence, and gave it the nod of approval and the countenance of the United States, which is filled with self-doubt about the righteousness and beneficence of its cause and existence, such normalizations would change the United States more than these efforts to engage China would change China. 
and the U.N. would, of course, help. So the body that told us no more Christopher Columbus because human rights violations in the 15th century, well, what did they do this week about the current century, the current year, the current age, the current day we live in? Let me quote the Wall Street Journal, quote, if pathological optimists still think the United Nations Human Rights Council cares about human rights, they may want to note events of last week. A motion was made in Geneva to debate China's abuses against the Uyghurs in Xinjiang province, and the council voted 19 to 17 not to even discuss it. Siding with China against the motion were regular lackeys such as Cuba and Venezuela, as well as countries such as Nepal, Indonesia and Pakistan, Qatar and the United Arab Emirates that don't want to offend China or are on the hook as part of its Belt and Road Initiative. The last four on that list are majority Muslim nations voting to ignore the documented persecution of a Chinese Muslim minority group. Indonesia, being the world's largest Muslim country, Pakistan's state religion is Islam. In addition to China, the other nations on the dishonor roll were Bolivia, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, Eritrea, Gabon, Kazakhstan, Mauritania, Namibia, Senegal, Sudan, and Uzbekistan. There were also 11 abstentions, including India, Mexico, and Ukraine. Perhaps Kiev hopes to keep China from giving military aid to Russia's invaders, but this wasn't Ukraine's finest hour. Mexico, under President André Manuel López Obrador, has never met a left-wing dictatorship he didn't support. In August, the U.N. High Commissioner on Human Rights published a report that drew on interviews with former detainees in Xinjiang province. Quote, a consistent theme was description of constant hunger and consequently significant to severe weight loss during their periods in the facilities. Almost all interviewees described either injections, pills, or both being administered regularly. Some also spoke of various forms of sexual violence, including instances of rape. Women recounted being subject to invasive gynecological examinations, including women who described them taking place in group settings. Routine abuses included being deprived of sleep and prayer, in addition to being forced to sing patriotic songs. The report asked China to look into allegations of torture, sexual violence, ill treatment, forced medical treatment, as well as forced labor and reports of deaths in custody. It said the pattern of repeated maltreatment in Xinjiang might constitute international crimes, in particular crimes against humanity. Pragmatists might be pleased that the motion Thursday failed by only two votes after a fierce lobbying campaign by China to defeat it. But what a disgrace. Everyone knows the U.N. Human Rights Council is a sinkhole of moral equivalence. But if it can't pass a motion merely to open discussion on China's abuses in Xinjiang, there is no reason for it to exist or for the United States to continue to be a member. Or for us to take our moral cues from it, especially when this country here is wrapped up in condemning itself for its ultimate discovery over 500 years ago. And that's the rub. This country is far more obsessed with crimes it didn't commit 500 years ago than it is human rights depredations and concentration camps and torture and slavery and slave labor that is taking place right now in real time. Think Colin Kaepernick, 
who makes millions of dollars telling us not to stand for the national anthem or say the Pledge of Allegiance because of our history of racism and slavery here from eons ago. Even as those millions of dollars come from a country and a place that has concentration camps and slavery right now. Consider how intertwined this all is. It really is an attack against one being an attack against all, except we have no patriotic NATO here in America. As we put it in the American Patriots Almanac, the Pledge of Allegiance was first published in September of 1892 in a magazine called The Youth's Companion. The magazine printed it to help celebrate the 400th anniversary of Columbus reaching America. School children first recited the pledge on Columbus Day, October 12th, 1892. Get rid of Columbus Day, get rid of the Pledge of Allegiance. Two for one. It's all wrapped up in as the same thing. But let's see how serious this all is. Will those members of the city council in the District of Columbia resign as they represent something called the District of Columbia? Columbia being the derivative of Columbus? Will the woke and progressive Ivy League University, Columbia University, rename itself? I doubt it. The university and its professors and students can rail against the predations of Christopher Columbus, whom it was named after, all they want. But they still carry the stain of hosting a speech by Mahmoud Ahmadinejad only a few years back, where he proclaimed there were no such things as homosexuals in Iran, as his regime was and continues to kill them. I suppose when you kill them, they don't exist. Or when you hang them from a construction crane in a public square in the capital city of Iran, there is no need to worry because you're not watching the hanging of human beings after all, as they define it. Deny and ignore and excuse the present-day atrocities. Turn your country inside out and upside down over assaults from over 500 years ago. That's how we do it here now. Because to hate this country or revolutionize it, that's how far back you have to go. And it shows we really don't care about indigenous people. We don't care about homosexuals. We don't care about slavery. If we did, we'd not be giving places like Iran and China green lights and apologies while we denounce ourselves. No. What we care about is finding any evidence whatsoever to make sure people know this country sucks and is endemically and inimically racist. That's why the Democratic Party here in Arizona could host parties this summer titled F the Fourth. Of course, they didn't just use the letter F, they used the whole word. I'll go one better. I would submit that because the only movement in America that wants to criticize and condemn places like China and Iran is the conservative movement, and you ask members in it why they want to condemn those places, the answers are imperialism, threats of annihilation, and human rights violations as against gays, women, Jews, Muslims. And because the left in America wants to cozy further to those regimes while denouncing America routinely, it is our movement, the conservative movement, that actually supports human rights seriously, and the left that has abandoned any notion or concern for them. It's great to issue proclamations about yourself for crimes taking place centuries ago that have the effect of diminishing love of country here. It's awful to condemn those crimes that are taking place right now in real time before your very eyes. That's the world the left and Marxist Leninism, Maoism has given us. So I guess one can imagine some 500 years from now, perhaps some group in some place called Turtle Bay will denounce China or Iran for what it's doing today while the left was silent. I'd like to do it now.
The left doesn't want to. Cold comfort for those there suffering now because the important task, after all, is to diminish the power and moral authority of only one country, the United States. Some 30 years ago, William Buckley, who worked hard to keep China out of the U.N., had quite enough polarizing over Christopher Columbus and decided to retrace and resail his journey. He wrote a book on it. When Brian Gumbel from the Today Show interviewed him, he asked Buckley about rethinking Christopher Columbus. Let me read from the transcript. Buckley, this anti-Columbus business is a fall of self-doubt and self-hatred which characterizes our culture. The notion that Columbus is other than to be applauded for discovering a world in which 380 million people now live is fractious and it is stubborn and eccentric. Do you want me to go on? Brian Gumbel. Well, would you, at the risk of this becoming a huge fight, would you allow that's a very Anglo point of view in light of the genocide that he unleashed against Native Americans and to a certain extent Hispanics and Africans? Buckley. He didn't unleash genocide. Genocide was an entirely conventional way of conducting yourself during the 15th century and for 2,000 years before that. People killed each other, and they killed little children for stealing sixpence in those days. Columbus himself left very strict instructions to his crew to deal very humanely. And by current standards, they did, with everybody they ran into. So if, you know, if one is in search of historical hobgoblins, I'd pass Columbus by and give him pretty wide berth. Not bad off the cuff, is it? And pretty far away, a generation ago, as that now was given, where we are. And the decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling continues here apace. I'll close with Milan Kundera. The first step in liquidating a people is to erase its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history. Then have somebody write new books, manufacture a new culture, invent a new history. Before long, the nation will begin to forget what it is and what it was. Yep, that's the leftist task. Do we get it yet? Will we ever? Before it's too late? Oh, by the way, if you check your Merriam-Webster dictionary under the heading Columbia, it says it's an alternative word for America. Just so. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. You worried about stock market volatility, especially with Joe Biden in office? What if you could invest in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no correlation to the stock market? If you're looking for a remarkable, unique investment opportunity, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They're offering a great investment. It's all in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return for investors. And your investment can be in an IRA or a trust just as much as it can be in an individual or joint investment. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. It's made up of really great guys who do really well by doing good for others, and you can too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y dot com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. Never a sales pitch. They just like talking about what they do and let it speak for itself. Hispanic Heritage Month is um, what we're in, and the uh, Democratic nominee for the governor of Arizona was uh, speaking to a Hispanic audience at a forum, being interviewed, Q&A, and uh, 
Boy, I'll tell you, I you know, I got to play you this audio if you haven't heard it, but I you know I am just scratching my head. I am befuddled, befuddled by soy dissent Republicans who think it's a good idea to be supporting this person. Have they lost their brains? Have they lost their minds? This person is incompetent at best, incompetent at best, vacuous and dumb. Simply put, there's no other way to put it. Listen to her talk in any interview from anyone. But listen to this. How has it impacted you personally? What have you learned, specifically learned from the Latino community? What have you learned from the Latino community? That's a great question. Uh, I don't necessarily uh, think about it that way in those terms. I think um, I really value uh, my relationships across the board with, um, with, with different folks. And, um, and I learn all the time from, from people uh, in my life. My sister-in-law, um, she is uh, Latino and uh, her family, uh, I love hanging out with them and uh, practicing my Espanol. <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's, um, I learned so much from, from her family, uh, but I think um, it, it just, it's really hard to separate out Arizona and subtract Latino culture because it's so much a part of who we are as a state. And, um, and I, and I, um, I, I, Arizona wouldn't be Arizona without the, what the Latino community brings. So the interviewer asked her, how has she been influenced by Latino culture? And her answer is, uh, ba 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 I have a Latino um, sister-in-law, and uh, it's just been so great and wonderful, and I've learned a lot from her, okay? The moderator here is just flummoxed, flummoxed, because she's in a auditorium in a crowd for this very purpose, to discuss this very issue. So he does a follow-up. So there's not one specific lesson you could share with you? There's not one specific lesson. One thing. Uh, it's one-third of the state. It's one-third yeah, of the yeah, state. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think there's, there's many lessons. Uh, the, the emphasis on uh, family values, uh, hard work, uh, those are those are something that I value in my own life, and um, you know. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, and she will be an embarrassment. She is embarrassing in herself, and she's embarrassing to her supporters. I hope you guys who are supporting her know how embarrassing you are making yourselves look. Happy to address more of this if you want. I've done it before. Happy to do it again. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 after the hour brings us the great John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. And he also is the host of his own radio show every Saturday morning right here on 960 AM. The Patriot, the word on wealth. Every 7 a.m. Hi, John. How are you? Fantastic, Seth. How's it going? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. I want to talk to you. You and I were kind of both intrigued by something Steve Moore sent out this morning, and we'll get to that in a moment. But first, if I might, on the Mm -hmm. stock market, NASDAQ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
that's that's the one people are talking about today. Um, mm-hmm. For the younger audience, or perhaps the uh, the the rudimentary aud- audience in understanding the stock market, remind everyone the difference between the big board and Nasdaq, if you don't mind, and the S and P. Uh, okay, so the S and P five hundred is made up of five hundred companies, uh, and it's a variety of different sectors of the market. So it encompasses all of the big um, corporations, five hundred of the big corporations here in the United States. Um, and from a variety of different sectors, as I said, the NASDAQ um, is a little bit different. It's more of a tech, uh, technology type of a fund, mm-hmm. so it tracks a lot of the tech stocks. Um, and so that particular uh, index today had, had a real challenge. Uh, and the NASDAQ's made up of about 2,500 companies, okay. but, but primarily all technology companies. Uh, and, and the reason we're seeing that uh, this concern over the NASDAQ right now is because as interest rates rise, a lot of the uh, tech companies are growth companies. And oftentimes, in order to grow, these companies utilize uh, capital, so they've got to borrow money to do so. Whereas some of the big blue chip companies uh, maybe uh, need less capital to grow because they have uh, you know, other uh, assets that they have in order to sustain their business. Uh, versus a growth company. When I was growing up, there was this sense, um, you know, I didn't know anything, but there was this sense when I would ask people about the stock market and I would ask them about, um, you know, the the, the, the New York Stock Exchange uh, or any other stock exchange, there was the sense that NASDAQ was kind of like the ugly cousin and not to be taken as hmm. seriously as the rest of the exchange. Was that wrong then? Do I have a misperception? It certainly... Well, it certainly has changed over the years, yeah, right? Yeah, it has. And you okay. think about that going back uh, during the tech bubble, like mm-hmm. the dot-com bubble. Yeah. Uh, you know, the NASDAQ and the tech stock sector, that that sector of the market really laid dormant for a lot of years. It took, uh, you know, a number of years for the NASDAQ to come back and ultimately begin taking over, which it, it had some wonderful returns. Remember, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is only made up of 30 companies. That's right, yeah. Uh, you're talking, again, the S&P 500, 500 companies, right. and now the NASDAQ, over 2,500 yeah. companies. Yeah. So uh, it's a much uh, you know larger index with the number of companies it has. And a larger indicator of what's going on than and it would have just, been in the yeah. 70s or 80s, right? Yeah, but yeah. primarily in the tech sector. Right? Okay. That's that's really what Still we're talking about here. Okay. Yeah. Good. Thank you for that. You and yeah. I we're both taken by this because we're always watching the political effects on the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, public policy does matter for things beyond just strict mm-hmm. political science. It, it matters for econo- economics, too, doesn't it? So we were taken by this thing um, that uh, Steve Moore sent around, and maybe maybe it was extra personal to him, he having grown up in Chicago. Right. Tyson Foods jo- joins Boeing, Caterpillar, and Citadel, among other business giants that have have abandoned the Windy City, which is Chicago. Right. It is so sad how crime taxes, horrific schools, and incompetent pro- uh, corrupt political leadership is killing the once iconic American city, which was once ironically known as the city that works, or the city of broad shoulders is right. how I knew it. How humiliating it is for Chicago's reputation that businesses are leaving for greener pastures in Arkansas. Arkansas now, now yeah. Tyson's and the Arkan and Arkansas have have a bit of a relationship, but right. I take the point. Yeah, there's a that's moving to a red state, yeah. right? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but but what's interesting, and, and it is, it's it's a, it's it's amazing how many large companies are moving from these restrictive 
states as well as uh, because of crime, because they want safety for their employees, they want a good working environment, they want reasonable, uh, you know, uh, law and order. Uh, but what I really take out of this, Seth, is a little bit of a different angle. Okay. You've got these large, big, big companies that are fortunate enough to be able to do this. Okay. What about the mom and pop shops that are downtown? Yeah. That this is what you yeah. know that they're trying to survive on the streets, and they have to deal with all of this crime. They have to deal with all of the ridiculous policies of 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 a Chicago mayor, uh, and uh, they don't have that opportunity to just you know say you know what let's move to Arkansas and let's uh, you know open our business there. It's a it's an impossibility for many small businesses. So it's great that the large companies can do this, and I believe it's in their best interest, and that's what they're thinking about is they're looking out for their business, and they're fortunate enough to be able to afford to do this. But I really feel bad for yeah. these small business owners in these states sure. and cities, inner yeah. cities, that are suffering yeah. right now. And they really don't have much uh, opportunity to uh, do what these bigger companies no, are doing. No, that's right. They can't just pick up and move everyone Yeah, and pay everyone moving expenses and do all the things that needs to be done. But, but even you, if, if you just own a mom-and-pop business, yeah. you own a subway shop, right. and you know it's been vandalized or whatever the reason is, you can't just say, okay, well, I'm just going to close that's my doors right. here and open my subway in another state. That's it doesn't right. work that way. They lose everything. And that's the sad part. Listen, John, you can't even run for governor in New York without there being a shooting outside of your house. Mm. This yeah. idea that anyone is immune anymore, it's just not right. true. It's yeah. just not true. John, you're the best. Thank you, sir. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, a member of Henry Zipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Plenty Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. All right, John. Godspeed. We'll talk you to bet. you tomorrow. Bye-bye. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Portions of this show are brought to you by the good people of Balance of Nature. I take it every single day. Best product I've ever taken. It's 100% natural, 100%, every part of it. It's just pure, potent plant power using their unique uh, cold press process to preserve the phytonutrients of the 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables you get in just a single daily dose. You just take it once a day and you are improving your immunity, your energy, and your overall health like no other product I know of. You can check them out at balanceofnature.com. Make sure when you buy those fruits and veggies, make sure to use discount code BALANCE. All right. This is where you don't have to buy something, and I'm going to give you something. Uh, As many of you know, we are doing a great event. It's called the Battleground Talkers Tour, uh, Sunday, October 23rd. It's an afternoon event, uh, so you'll be home for dinner. And we're bringing in uh, Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, Charlie Kirk. We'll have some other special guests. Blake Masters will be there. And uh, you can get tickets for general admissions as low as $5. Just go to 960thepatriot.com. But right now, if you're caller number two, I will give you two premium seats. I will give you a pair of premium seats for free. That's for our Battleground Talkers Tour with Gallagher, Kirk, Tatum, me, and Blake Masters and others. More info at 960thepatriot.com. Tickets start as low as $5, but we have premium seating as well, and I'm giving away two right now. Give us a call at 602-508-0960. If you're caller number two, you will get two free tickets to that great event we're going to be doing on October 23rd, obviously talking about the election 
and how important Arizona is to it. Uh, think about it. We're calling it the Battleground Talkers Tour. Arizona didn't used to be a battleground state. Didn't used to be. It is now. It is now. When you think about it, it's a sad fall. When you think about it, try this on for size. Try this concept on for size. Mark Kelly, the senator that uh, Blake Masters is running against, Mark Kelly, who votes with Joe Biden 94% of the time, Mark Kelly is sitting in the seat that used to be held by Barry Goldwater. Does that offend you? Mark Kelly is sitting in the seat that used to be held by Barry Goldwater. That's how much of a state we have changed. That's how much of a change we have made in this state would be the better way to put that. That's how we are now a battleground state. We're fighting to get back things like Barry Goldwater's seat. We're fighting. Do you realize we have more Democratic representatives in Congress than Republican. Our congressional delegation is more Democrat than Republican. Arizona. Arizona. The land of William Rehnquist and Barry Goldwater. Arizona. And, you know, other great conservative and Republican luminaries as well. Think about that. We have sent more. We are sending more Democrats to D.C. than Republicans. Yeah, we're battleground. Let's get us out of battleground territory. Let's win and win decisively. I was talking about um, these Republicans who are, well, I call them soy descent, pretend Republicans, um, supporting uh, Katie Hobbs, Republicans who claim to be Republicans supporting Katie Hobbs. I played an audio clip of hers, just the most vacuous, empty-headed vessel you could find. It's inane, literally. She's inane, and it's inane to support her. And these are people, by the way, I have to say, these are people, many of whom supported another candidate in the Republican primary, just not Carrie Lake. They supported Karen Taylor, Robeson. Now, think about it this way with me. Just think about it rationally for a moment, if you want to understand rationality. Think about it rationally. Karen... Taylor Robeson and Carrie Lake probably agreed on about 95% of things, probably somewhere in that range, about 95%. Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake agree on 0% of things. 0% of things. And you have Republicans going for that or trying to tell you to go for that. It's a fraud of the mind. It's a fraud of the mind. It makes no sense. It's vacuous, and it's self-serving. Bill, how much time do I have in this segment? I'm sorry. I lost track. Good. Thank you. All right. I wanted to get to this story anyway. Wall Street Journal. Los Angeles City Council president resigns leadership role after racist remarks. Oh, must be a Republican president of the L.A. City Council. Huh? Uh, of course not. It's L.A. <laughs> it's L.A. L.A. City Councilwoman Nuri Martinez resigned from her position as president today following the release over the weekend of an audio recording in which she insulted a fellow city council member and made racist comments about his black son. She didn't resign city council, by the way. She just resigned the presidency of the city council. She remains a member of the city council. Miss Martinez called Councilman Mike Bonin, who is white, a little, I don't think I should say it on the air, begins with a B, 
and described his son, who is black, as Parece Changuito, like a monkey. She described a black son of a white man as like a monkey. Miss Martinez also said Mr. Bonin treated her son like an accessory, like an accessory. Well, she'll take responsibility for what she said by resigning her position as president of the city council. But she'll stay on the city council. Think this will get uh, any notice on The View? Think this will get any non-CBS mornings tomorrow morning or the Today Show? Think it'll get any notice in Don Lemon's new show? Think it'll get any notice from Anderson Cooper or anyone on MSNBC? Let me save you the guesswork. It won't. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I um, I got a lot of feedback on uh, my monologue. I'm, maybe I'll redo it in the third hour. We have uh, Brandon uh, Weikert coming up uh, in the next uh, hour. Y- you see what Joe Biden said last week? I meant to get to this, and I didn't give it enough time last Thursday. Uh, he said that um, to a group of fundraisers, very wealthy fundraisers. He said, I don't think there's any such thing as the ability to easily use a tactical nuclear weapon, as Putin was threatening, and not end up with Armageddon. That's a quote. We're going to end up with Armageddon. It was the grimmest of news. President of the United States warns of imminent nuclear annihilation. The headlines were ominous. Drudge report Biden warns of nuclear Armageddon. New York Times, Biden calls the prospect of Armageddon the highest since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Washington Post, Biden suggests Putin's nuclear threats mean a prospect for Armageddon. But here's a question Byron York asks. There could be nothing of greater import to the people of the United States than the prospect of a nuclear war. So nothing from the White House? Nothing? So why did the president of the United States also make these extensive and alarming remarks on the subject to only the wealthiest of people at a small Democratic fundraiser on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Shouldn't he be telling other people first, like maybe the rest of the country? Another weird thing about Biden's nuclear scenario, Byron York points out, he didn't lead with it. If you look at the pool report from the fundraiser, Biden began his remarks the way he begins most political speeches, by expounding on the threat he says the Republican Party poses to American democracy. This is not your father's Republican Party. There's an assault on all the institutions. That kind of stuff that we're so used to from him. That kind of stuff. I guess his father's Republican Party in his mind would be, or our father's Republican Party in his mind would be the Republican Party of what? Mitt Romney? who wants to put blacks in chains. That's what he said in 2012. Joe Biden's history of the Republican Party is as bad as his history of the Democratic Party. That's why he could say that Republicans were the party of Jim Crow. And, well, he said it was the party of Bull Bull Connor, the party of Jefferson Davis, party of Jim Crow. He's got it all backwards, all of it, every part of it. But why is he casually speaking of Armageddon? It wasn't a joke. I know it wasn't a joke because he likes to say, not a joke. You don't joke about this. You don't do it lightly. 
And if he's at all serious, if he's at all serious, you don't just do it with people who pay $100,000 to be in your presence. Boy, you thought it was funny that he can't count to two or three in Made in America. But this isn't funny stuff, folks. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.